Thanks for tuning in again to Seven Figure Fitness Business. Today, the conversation is going to be dead broke or successful. And what we're really talking about here is the difference between those ideas people or what we could call the daydreamers versus those that really roll up their sleeves and execute on the tasks that need to be done. I guess you could call them the implementers. Now, we observe this being such an important differentiation based on what we see in our own fitness businesses, uh, in our own lives on a personal level, and then also for our mastermind members. And and the difference between these two mindsets uh, and behavior styles is night and day. And it can have, it's really probably the most important thing that will determine whether you are successful or as we said at the start, dead broke. So Iggy, do you want to start off by kind of like, I guess, defining the issue here that we're actually discussing in more detail? This kind of comes up based on a lot of the things that we hear from our own clients and people that we talk to on a day-to-day basis. I think with the industry as a whole, personal trainers innately are very kind of like passionate and very expressive and kind of looking outwardly. So we get into this mindset where we're just constantly in this fantasy realm where we're just daydreaming. Right. We, we have ambitions. We have all these ideas and we'd like to do this or we'd like to be here. But we get stuck in that realm where we're just dreaming. Right. We're daydreamers. Right. And so somebody who's a daydreamer just it's just that they're just dreaming, hoping things will get better, never actually doing the work that makes it better, staying in their comfort zone and almost kind of like being soothed by that idea of like, hey, someday this can be better, but then to justify by, you know, that's that's not me. You know, I have so many things going on. I don't even know if that's possible, but it feels good to dream dream about having a better life and doing nothing about it. I can actually just really sort of flesh out the, the, the daydreamer, I guess, concept, because to be honest, before we went online, this was actually one of the areas that I really struggled with is that I was always ambitious. You know, I've always considered myself to be very able and talented and I guess intelligent, but my problem was actually taking the action that needed to be taken. It was really tough because when I wasn't doing it, when I had my own sort of face-to-face PT business, I would often feel um, dejected, guilty, stressful. And I guess like I would never feel like I had enough time in the day because there were all these things that I wanted to do. And it was like, I knew where A was, I knew where Z or Z was, but I didn't know those little tiny steps to take in between. I hadn't taken the time necessarily to sort of map those out clearly what mattered, what didn't matter, you know, so I wasn't just doing dumb stuff and wasting time on like useless crap. And then basically, I never really set myself any sort of parameters or accountability for actually completing those things in a certain time. And basically, you know, gee, you know this, I mean, at one stage, I was almost ready to leave the personal training industry because I was fed up. And you kind of like, threw me the lifeline, like at the time, you were you'd become a really good executor of, uh, of implement uh, of tasks based on some of the mentorship that you'd had and probably based on your upbringing. And so you were able to sort of, I guess, guide me. And and I think, you know, I've sort of said this before, but I feel like one of the mentorships that I've done is the mentorship of Andrew Gosen, because I've kind of seen the way that you do things and it's really changed. So I guess like, gee, how do you sort of see this situation? How would you describe it? Yeah, I think like the biggest thing for me is just like being really, really clear on my goals. It's like, okay, well, Am I going to step up and am I going to be successful in life? Like one of the things that really drives me is being a provider. I think that was the environment that I was brought up with. And it doesn't matter what it is. 
I feel guilty as a person if I'm unable to provide for my family, my friends, which is, you know, the environment that I grew up in. So, you know, I think that very much I'm a daydreamer, but I think that I feel like I connect the dots really well. I go, well, this is a daydream, but in order to get to point Z, I'm going to have to do this. Or, you know, at a later point, I have a team that's going to be able to do, you know, and, you know, pretty much complete my bidding in terms of, you know, my ideas and dreams. Yeah, but you followed you fought up really well as well, which is also really important to recognize. I would say, AJ, you're not a, like a daydreamer. I'd say you're a true visionary. You know what I mean? Like a vision, someone who has a compelling vision that they're working towards is able to switch between the realm of implementing and then kind of taking this bird's eye view where you're looking ahead, but you're still able to go in and actually implement. Whereas like a daydreamer is stuck in that fantasy realm, not actually doing those things about it. All right. So if you're able to, if you're willing to get your hands dirty and put in the work, right. And do the things that other people aren't willing to do. Right. And if that means going to sleep a little bit later to lay the foundation for your business, if that means sacrificing your lunch break and using that to do things right. And really, looking at your schedule and figure out how can I block time out to do these different things so I can get closer to my goals. That's what an implementer is willing to do. But a lot of times those who implement aggressively are being drawn by a vision that's compelling them to get from where they are to where they want to be. Right. Whereas like you can be dreaming about wanting to do something, but unless you actually are willing to put in the work, you're just a daydreamer and it's more of like a nice to have. Like this would be really nice to have, but it's not like I need to have it, right? There's nothing compelling about it. So therefore there's no action that's taken. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we see this all the time. I think like you could you could kind of make it, you know, a silly analogy, but one that kind of shows how silly this is, is like, imagine say I wanted to become an electrician, right? So I go and I buy the truck. I go and put all the, the things on the back of my truck so that I can fit all my tools. I go and spend thousands of dollars on tools and I get myself ready. I buy my work uniform and then I never actually go to work. Like that, that's what a lot of people actually do. You know, when it comes to the ideas is that they know that what they want and they sort of prepare and do all the busy work for that, but they never actually follow up on that incredibly important second step. And I guess the difference is, as I, I perceive it is that daydreamers, they only do part one, which is that they just create the vision. And it's a fairly vague and broad vision, and it's often quite extended into the into the future. And the executor, they have the vision, they have the dream, but what happens is whether it's them doing it in the early stages, and most of you listening to this, you will be doing the, the work, you create goals, you set timelines, and you actually follow through with it, some sort of accountability to make sure that things and the right things are being completed. Eventually, when you get to the point where you know we are, you may be dreaming ideas into existence and then executing in the follow-through with your team, managing them, making sure that they're doing the right things. But you really are not going to have any success ideas in isolation. That's, I guess, what we're, we're, we're getting to here. Yeah, because when it really boils down to it, if you're an executor, right, you're willing to sacrifice short-term pleasure for long-term, for long-term gain. Right. Whereas like those who are stuck in the realm of daydreaming, they're not off. They're not willing to sacrifice the short term pleasure and comforts for the for their vision that they want to accomplish. Right. And, and I think about the clients who are really doing well, that are that come in with a ton of things on their plate, 
they're willing to sacrifice some sleep. They're willing to sacrifice some leisure time. They're willing to get up two hours earlier than they normally would so that they can put in the work and actually do the things that we ask them to do to, to get the word to where they want to be because they're thinking with the end in mind. They're thinking like, you know what? It's going to suck. It's going to be long days for the next two, three, maybe even six months. Right. But if I can, if I can do the work now and lay the foundation and create that momentum, that's going to allow me to gain, gain freedom six months, even at 12 months from now, it's going to be worth the temporary sacrifice of putting myself and stretching myself beyond what I would normally be comfortable with. And with people who have kids that are doing this, with people who have full-time jobs with children that are still making it work, but it really boils down to like, how much do you, how badly do you want it? And are you willing to sacrifice the, your comforts to make it work, right? We have some people who say they want to do something, but then they're not willing to give up their two to three hour training sessions <laughs> to make time to do things. You know what I mean? And it's like, do you really want it? Do you really want to accomplish your goals? <laughs> I think there's an important distinction here. It's one thing to give up your time. And that's one of the big blocks that people face. They're unwilling to give up the time. But the other big block that people face is they're unwilling to part ways with money. And, you know, you can either investing comes in two ways. It's investing with your time or investing with your cash. And when people are unwilling to invest in cash, that puts them in a situation where you know they've got an inability to learn, they've got an inability to find out and prove a hypothesis for their dreams. Yeah, it's a really valid point. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't actually back themselves. And so I think there's a lot of ignorance and naivety, I'd say almost arrogance that goes into someone's thought process where they think, hey, I'm going to be earning X amount of money and be this wealthy, but I'm going to do it all on my own, right? I mean, you know, the fastest way to accelerate forward. And as I've said, we, we've done mentorship after mentorship. It's to actually learn from the best, learn from the people that are already doing this. Don't be arrogant enough to think that you can immediately enter a market and do it better than the people that are already established as the major experts. Why not just find out what they do, pick their brains, and then use that to propel yourself forward? A concept that one of my mentors shared with me a few years ago that's really stuck with me was, you know, he asked me like, Iggy, so we all have the same hours in a day, right? Whether you're ultra wealthy or super poor, we all give in the same 24 hours, right? But what's the difference between those who are really, really successful and those who are really struggling is those who are really successful figured out how to buy time, right? And to figure out how to gain time. And I was like, what do you mean? So. He's saying like the way that you're able to gain time is by acquiring information, right? So if you spent five years through trial and error learning something, I can gain five years worth of experience if I, if I hire you and pick your brain. I can download that five years worth of experience and now all of a sudden I just gained five years worth of time. And I'm able to consolidate that into a very short period of time and essentially buy time. So he's saying that's what th those who are really successful do. They realize that, yes, we are given the same 24 hours in a day, but I can actually buy myself time by learning from people who've already put in the work <laughs> of figuring out what I'm trying to get. So I'm going to use my money, leverage the cash buy 30 years worth of experience from this person and now I can download it. And so long as I'm implementing and executing aggressively, I just saved myself 10, 
15, even 30 years worth of trial and error because I was able to leverage this person's experience so I don't have to go through it myself. I think like a lot of people as well, they they need to probably do some sort of assessment or um, audit of their time as well because, you know, we, we spoke on this a couple of weeks back, Iggy, but people really do apply a huge amount of wasted time to things that don't really matter. And so you really need to become clear on the objectives that actually move the needle. What is it you need to do and what is it you need to discard? And I'm going to bring this in in a more practical sense now because let's talk about the mastermind. So, you know, I've asked both of you before, like, you know, our goal for anybody that we bring on this, let's be honest, this is a return on investment program. So we want people to come in, build a very successful business and not just make the program investment feedback, but far more inside the six months that the program goes for, right? But we know this, that we can never guarantee success 100% because the variable here is the, is, the, is the person, it's the member. How fast do they implement? How effectively do they implement? Do they ask for help? Do they communicate openly and honestly? And the answer is, unfortunately, a lot of the time when you, when you bring it to that sort of, you can bring a horse to water or you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Sometimes it does feel as mentors that what we're doing is literally dragging that horse, which is on its knees to the water and trying to shove its face in so it can have a drink. And you know that shouldn't be how it is. So I want to ask, you know, let's go with um, let's go with UG. When people come into a program, a mentor program, be it us or any other, why do some people succeed and why do some people fail? It is like finding out, you know, the sort of person that they are, their goals, how strong they are, and their willingness to actually, you know, go ahead with things. I think one of the biggest blocks that people face is that they feel overwhelmed. They've got an inability to get started. They look at something and they kind of write it off and label themselves. And they might label themselves as, I can't do tech. You know, I can't do this, this is too difficult, right? This is going to require too much work. And when they start labeling themselves in a negative way as being a sort of person, that sort of person, you know, they might be saying on the exterior, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna make a million dollars, but they don't actually believe in themselves. It often sounds like Groundhog Day. When I'm when I'm talking to our member success coaches who they literally check in with every member every every week, if not multiple times a week. And I guess one of the frustrations that you hear sometimes is that members who struggle, they tend to say, Okay, what do I do? How do I have a good week? And they go, do this, do this, do this. Next week, what do I do? How do I have a good week? Yeah, yeah, you still need to do this, this, and this. And then like the third week, they're starting to get really panicked now. Okay, I want to be successful. How do I do this? Yes, you still need to do this, this, and this. Like, and ultimately when it comes down to it, if you're given key tasks to work on and to implement, all you really need to do, whether you're getting mentored or doing this for yourself, you need to really, really practice the the behavior of taking action swiftly. And it is one of those things that you can feel resistance towards. You know, there's a lot of psychological evidence about procrastination, but you just like it just the only way to cure it is to actually begin doing something. So that might mean tricking yourself, setting like you know one of those Pomodoro timers, like maybe you do 20 minutes and every 20 minutes you give yourself you might really just stretch it out to 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. If that's what it takes. And typically once you begin, what you notice is that then you finally get into a position of or a state of flow and then you can start actually making things work. And I guess a lot of the time people's inaction is because they never even started because they were sort of building up the task in their mind as being like harder or more difficult than what it really had to be. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like for me, I come from the pool of thought words is like, you just got to suck it up. Like as an, as an athlete, 
I mean, their coaches would ask you to do very difficult things. It really push you and you and they didn't want to push you to the point where you, you want to break. Right. Or where you want to quit. Right. And I, and I think about when it comes to some of the things that people say, oh, I can't figure out the tech or I can't make time to do this. And it's one at some point you got to take full responsibility and be like, you know what? I just need to get it done. Right. You can either have like results or you can have excuses, but you can't try and have both. Right. So either you're going to make excuses and be OK with not growing and be OK with not reaching your goals. Or you can be like, you know what? I'm not going to give myself the luxury of making excuses. Yes, I'm busy. My day sucks. I have a lot of things that take some mental energy. But at, at some point, I need to be like, you know what? I'm not going to even allow that to be an option. I need to take time and figure out how I, what I need to do to make this work. Um, because the alternative is worse. Like staying where you are and continuing to be in this rut is worse than the temporary discomfort of learning something new and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to, to tackle something that you're not used to. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like they, they're willing to sacrifice the temporary pain of discomfort that they're going to experience for, for exposing themselves to new information in exchange for the comforts of doing what they're used to doing and staying where they're comfortable with. What you're saying again, you've actually said it a couple of times. It's actually really made me see that this is kind of like a chronic version of the marshmallow test, right? So for those of you that don't know what the marshmallow test is, it's one of the most famous psychological studies that's ever been done. It's shown to have an incredible predictability on your success in life. And what they did was they took young children, put them in a room and they put a marshmallow on the desk and they said, we're going to be back in 10 minutes. Don't touch the marshmallow. If we come back in 10 minutes and you haven't had it, you get a second one. Then they'd walk out. Now, of course, they could see in, but the kids didn't know that they were watching. And what they would see is that the vast majority of the kids, they couldn't wait 10 minutes. They ate the marshmallow, right? So what they weren't able to do was to put off short-term pleasure for long-term gain. Now, those that did succeed, they actually found that they were actually really clever in the way that they beat the system. They wouldn't look at the marshmallow. They'd do all sorts of things. But ultimately, they've studied, they've followed up this study a long time afterwards. And it's alarming at how predictable it is at how how effective it is at predicting success in life because ultimately if you're not able to put off short-term pleasure i.e sitting down with your feet up watching tv rather than doing your job or deciding that you can't be bothered to go for that run because right now you're feeling comfortable in your cushy lounge chair whatever it is you're not going to get things done and you're not going to be successful so this is a discipline it's something that everybody can teach themselves and if you don't have this discipline effectively implemented into your lifestyle at the moment, then it probably means that you're operating out of a dysfunctional environment where you either don't have the right people around you or you just need to actually get people around you that can motivate you to change. Now, it'd be something worth diving, unpacking in another podcast episode is like, how do you create this winning environment for yourself if you do find yourself in a situation where you're you're not you're around people who for just a lack of a better word you're around a bunch of losers <laughs> yeah it'd be a great episode it would <laughs> we'll definitely need to unpack that but that's essentially what what you need to be able to do is you have to you have to stack the odds in your favor and, and hedge against failure by creating this environment where you just force yourself to execute and do the things that you need to do to be successful you put your head down and you put in the work, like there's no shortcut to being successful, 
right? Even those that we don't respect because of their lack of ethics, their lack of morals, and their and their low level of integrity. What you can't fault them is their work ethic, right? They're people who are successful in business that I don't respect because I just they just don't value the same thing that I value. But I respect their work ethic because they're hard workers. Right. And that's one thing that you just can't avoid. You got to be willing to put in the work and you really got to be willing to eat shit for a few months <laughs> to get to where you want to be. Right. There's, there's no way around it. I guess like the final message here, guys, is take your damn earphones out, stop consuming and go start creating something. You know, obviously, thank you for listening to the episode today, but that's enough learning for today. Now go start kicking some ass and, and getting some some things done. Create a very short list of things that actually matter set some follow-up targets as to when they need to be completed. If you can create any accountability, be it with yourself or somebody else, your partner, whatever, for getting them done, go and do that and make sure that by the time you listen to the episode next week, you've ticked all those things off. So in the meantime, if you're watching this on YouTube, please remember to like and subscribe to the channel. That really helps us grow and reach more people like you. If you're enjoying the content and you're listening on Spotify or iTunes podcasts, please make sure you give us a five-star review there as well. And we'll see you on the next episode.